The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. What was the last five minutes? That was, that was rough. Oh, you mean the sword that you killed Goliath with that's sitting right behind the ephod wrapped in a cloth? You better not take it! <laughs> and the it's earth legit. is only 6,000 years old right now. No, 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 no. That's what this means. No, 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 no. Alright, welcome to the Second Rain Saints podcast. I'm one of your hosts here, Caleb. To my left is... I'm Joshua. To my left is... I'm Joel. And to my left... It's me, Caleb, again. We've gone full circle. We are missing both Stuart and Colton. Very, very sad times. Um, But the show must go on. Joel, what does the show do on the internet? Uh, Yeah, we got a website, secondratesaints.com. We've got an email, secondratesaints at gmail.com. And we've got Instagram and Twitter, which is also under the name of Second Rate Saints. If you want to keep an eye on what we're doing uh, and are excited to see what other projects uh, Second Rate Saints takes on as a um, as a group, um, then definitely make sure to, to follow along. We'll see where this thing ends up in a year. Cool. Yeah. So because I'm halfway through way too many books, and I'm not actually very good at finishing the books that I read. Uh, Joel, what have you read? <laughs> Since I don't have anything, we'll get Joel to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, mine's not even a book. <laughs> Mine is a lecture that I listen to on Audible um, in the Great Courses series, which is kind of awesome. Um, and it's Cities of the Ancient World. And I find a lot of times when I'm doing um, context studies for a lot of Old Testament books, especially like early Canaanite stuff, um, is super helpful for kind of like fleshing out my view of the world. Um, yeah, in, in the Old Testament. But uh, so I, I listened through this. It's like a 13-hour lecture or something like that. Great courses are great. Great courses have been have been really good. I also got through their uh, History of Secret Societies one, but I'm not going to talk about that today. <laughs> it was really good, actually. That one was awesome as well. But uh, I think, yeah, The Cities of the Ancient World, um, which is by the lecturer Stephen L. Tuck from Miami University. So in going over a city, mm-hmm. what would they cover? Just as much as we know about it? like culture, Yeah, so economics. his standard for a city is any group of buildings connected by culture, religion, or economy. Um, yeah. yeah, it's super interesting. That's so vague. It is super vague, but he makes a pretty big bold claim at the beginning um, of his lecture, uh, especially talking about Sumerian uh, societies, that the first reason to group together was not necessarily for food, and it was not necessarily for the economy. Um, It was for religion. Uh, Um, Not even defense. No, it wouldn't be defense either. But it seems that defense would be a byproduct of that that they might attribute to their god it's super interesting okay, how that works. fair enough um that there was almost the mentality of protection from having a holy site may have actually increased their defense which is so cool so religion's the uh the bootlogger for defense <laughs> yeah basically yeah that the belief in something was better than just nomadic nothing or which, like in age of empires too when you have a holy site 
or relics in your city, uh, it gives you buffs. I doubt that's what his source was, but I'm sure it follows the same kind <laughs> of thing. But I bet Age of Empires um, 2 source was this guy. <laughs> well, that was one of my, my biggest takeaways, was just the realization that religion played a, a larger part in um, the grouping of humanity early on in, in, in history than you know I thought they did. Hmm. Um, definitely makes a lot more sense uh, in like a Canaanite context. Um, where their cities would be built around temples, that there would be nothing in their city not related to that religious practice. Right. Uh, and that even lines up with, like we covered it in our Tower of Babel mm-hmm. episode, mm-hmm. Um, how the religious structure would go, go yeah. up first. Yeah. And then the rest would follow around. Now, he's not um, in any way a biblical scholar or mm-hmm. a, a theologian of any kind. Um, he's got his PhD in history. And that's that's where he spends all of his time. So you might not like in listening to these lectures, and I would say any lecture that's not um, from a Christian perspective, um, you might have to draw some of your own lines there, yeah. right? Like he's going to present evidence that may still um, complement the Christian worldview, but is not intended to. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the things I've noticed with the great courses is, is sometimes, especially even their stuff on explicitly Christian stuff, they'll bring in. Um, Bart scholars, Ehrman yeah, Bart Ehrman for your New Testament stuff. But then every now and then they pull in like some Catholic lecturer for the Old Testament that I've been listening to through the Great Courses. I think both of us are listening to that. That was a good one. Um, um, there was another one I listened to on um, Luke Timothy Johnson. Is that mm-hmm. his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's a uh, he was a Benedictine monk. That uh, was he a monk? Yeah, at some point, and he, he stopped. Like he was, he, he left the oh um, the. I forget what the the term is for where they stay, but um, it, it's not a monastery. It's something slightly more relaxed than that. Um, but yeah, he does a lot of writing on Paul, and so he had a, a lecture with the Great Courses. So sometimes they have really good guys, but I would always recommend looking up um, kind of who's behind the, the lecture before you start listening to it. Fair enough. Um, yeah, sorry, this isn't supposed to be about that specifically, but more about ancient cities. Walls are awesome. Makes the story of Jericho a lot more, re- like, uh, again, more tangible when you realize how everything's laid out. Um, even when we get into kind of our section of Samuel tonight, um, it's really helpful for me to visualize what, you know, cities at the turn of the Bronze Age look like, mm-hmm. right? Just, uh, you know, have those kind of those mindsets. Uh, it goes over a little bit of uh, Nineveh's construction, which helped us for oh, the, that could the Jonah be fascinating. episode, um, talking about how the walls were structured. And, um, how tall were they? Oh, I don't remember how tall the walls were at Nineveh. Do you? Darn. Go with Xenophon's description, because, you know, it's 150 cooler. feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Which, which account is cooler? Well, that's obviously the real one. Another one I thought about, or never thought about, um, realized while listening to this lecture, is how many cities kind of disappeared mm-hmm. because you know if you're making bricks out of mud we don't know what the first babylonian empire looked like because they built everything out of mud bricks and one of the significant parts of the tower of babel is that you know they wouldn't know how to fire bricks in the same way that the scripture tells us they did mm-hmm. so there's like a, a discrepancy there that we don't know what the original Babylonian Empire looks like, and we really can only go off the stories of Scripture, even though they tell us um, well, inaccurately we, how it was built. Well, yeah, and that depends. We went over this in we our, did, yeah. in our Tower of Babel episode, um, yeah. which if you haven't heard that, recommend, yeah. go give that a listen. And that's if the historical record so far is 
has ruled that out. Yeah. Because it might be that in 50, 30, whatever years that we do find. Kind of. Yeah. It is kind of like if we didn't. The fact that there is no bricks from that period is very indicative that, you know. Yes. Yeah. No, all I mean is that, like, we haven't searched everywhere yet. This is true. This is true. So, so um, yes, there's a danger in not in not trusting scripture or seeing mm-hmm. um, archaeology in this sense or lectures like, you know, early uh, development of cities um, as disproving the Bible. And I don't think that's, I don't think it's a good way to, to look at it. Um, and I think it does help build the world around the text. But I think an example of a terrible biblical archaeologist that has only set us back is Ron Wyatt. Mm. Right? We can talk about that all the time. Like, faking evidence in the Red Sea is not helpful for the cause of, of Christianity. No. So be be wary whatever you read. There's going to be a, a tinge of, of bias to it. Um, yeah. yeah. Just be careful yeah. what you go for for uh, ancient history. Yeah, no, the only example I would use as the, like, you know, wait and see what history has to show mm-hmm. is the like the the Bible being the only record of the Hittite Empire. Yeah. Until yeah. the 70s. And then they just found a whole empire. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Hittite Empire is so cool. I'm listening yeah. to another great course of series right now called Empires Before Alexander. Yeah. So good. Sargon the Great. Yeah. Pretty great. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah. It's a bit brutal. Um Speaking of empires, <laughs> not much of an empire. Let's talk about a tiny kingdom. Tiny kingdom of Israel, the empire of David. But before we get there, <laughs> yes, um, let's. we're going over his rise and following through Samuel, 1 yeah. Samuel, right yep. now. Josh, what did we do previously on Samuel? Previously on Samuel. Um, so David goes back from the area of Nioth where he was hiding with Samuel and goes back to Saul's house and talks with Jonathan and uh, takes all his clothes, but like in a bro way that happens. Yeah. That happens with yeah, yeah. After after the chapter. Um, and he talks with Jonathan about how, Hey, why does your dad try it? And why is your dad trying to kill me? Why is he trying to hunt me down? And Jonathan's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He would never do that. He's promised me that he wouldn't try to kill you anymore. Um, and David's like, well, he is, and we need to do something about that. So they devise a plan on how to test Saul's heart um, at the next New Moon Festival dinner um, at their house, which David has to attend. Um, but he doesn't to see how Saul will react. And Jonathan and him devise a plan on if he acts harshly or if he acts gracefully towards David not being there. Um, and they set up a system on a way for Jonathan to be able to tell David without letting anybody know that he's telling David that the outcome um, by firing some arrows and getting a servant boy to go grab the arrows. And then the servant boy would tell David what's going on. Um, And so they find out that Saul, Jonathan finds out that Saul is still trying to kill David. He outs himself in the court. Uh, Saul even tries to kill his own son. Mm. Um, and Jonathan is livid, weeps by himself because of his father's attempt yeah. and heart, breaking of promise, breaking of trust, showing of how evil he is. I think it's the how much shame he has done to David. Yeah. I think that's kind of the thrust of that text where it's like yeah. David's not even sad at like his own relationship to his father. He's like, 
why, why is my dad being this this guy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, why is he doing this to David? Well, yeah. I, I think it's important that the last the last thing that pulls Jonathan and Saul apart is is Saul. It's not David. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's not David pulling Saul away from the, the dynastic family. It is it is Saul, Saul. himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so David and Jonathan weep together. They say their goodbyes, and David leaves. And that leaves us where we are yeah. today. And in the secret message originally, mm-hmm. and then they talk and they... Yeah. Why not? But he does so. Hey, leave quickly. Run. Yeah. Like urgent. You need here. to get out of here now. Yeah. And that was First Samuel 20, and we are now doing First Samuel 21 and 22. So I shall start reading. Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling, and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? And David said to Ahimelech the priest, the king has charged me with a matter and said to me, let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered, David, I have no common bread at hand, but there is the holy bread if the young men have kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest, Truly, women have been kept from us always when I go on expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? So the priests gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread there but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be placed by hot bread on the day it is taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detaining detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg, the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsmen. Then David said to Ahimelech, Then have you not here a spear or a sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapon with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you take it, Take it, for there is none but that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it to me. That's so cool. <laughs> it's it's just the giant sword. Yeah. That's so cool. So there's a lot going on there. Those nine verses. There is. A lot of yep. people in there, too. A mm-hmm. lot of name drops. Nob. That's not a person, but is, I think it's funny. Yep. So... With uh, Shiloh getting overrun in 612 or 621 um, with the loss of the Ark, right? It appears as though Shiloh kind of gets wiped off, not (coughs) wiped off the face of the earth because it does come back, but it's not the center of like cultic devotion. Mm. And Nob appears to kind of take that place. So Shiloh, you're talking about like where Saul offered the... He offered up sacrifice to Shiloh, didn't he? Or I think it's something else. Um, Shiloh's the place where the tabernacle may have, was. But the tabernacle okay. was there before yeah. they lost it. Yeah. At and the then, very beginning of the book yeah. where Eli raised Samuel. Yeah. Um, it also, because Isaiah 10, 32 makes a comment about how invaders would stop at Nob to shake mm. their fist at, at Jerusalem. Mm. Um, gives kind of an indication. So it's really close to Jerusalem somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, so we don't know where Knob is, like, on a map. There's been different sites that are proposed, but it's like, meh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. But. Yeah, I mentioned in the last episode, like, when we were nearing the end, that uh, this is a very vivid scene in my mind from that old uh, David movie. Yeah. <laughs> I did bring that up. Um, and that, for some reason, is just a Claymore. <laughs> Again, all I, I just I want to bring that up. All I can picture is a modern, like... Yeah, anti-personal claymore. Yeah, like a bomb. Oh, <laughs> so, no, that's too good. all I can picture is uh, David pulls out a claymore. Yeah. So, uh, Nob was not only like it's close to the city of Jerusalem; it's also served as a sanctuary city for the descendants of Aaron. Yes, because it's the one Levites go to if they've committed a crime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's the. So it's a natural place to move from Shiloh to Nob because all of Aaron's descendants are the ones that run mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nob is just the Vatican. Now it is. <laughs> is that a bad thing to say? <laughs> the audience they have can't, different the audience laws can't. that you can't persecute <laughs> the priests that go there? The audience can't see my face <laughs> of disappointment. I didn't just know that it's it. there. Yeah, you could hear it. The silence spoke volumes. So it's not the Vatican. Yes. Yeah. But it is an important place. It's just a place priests go to get away from legal repercussions. It's it's not ordinary place versus Vatican. There may be other places. (laughs) There's somewhere in between, but I'm a man of extremes. Yeah. So David shows up to the temple with a group of men. No. Yeah. Yeah, he has soldiers with him, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, verse one, why are you alone and (laughs) no one with you? But when he eats, (laughs) (laughs) no, but when he eats, the priest asks, have the men you're with. Yeah. uh, Because he makes reference to, I'm going to meet men at such and such a place. Mm -hmm. Okay. I understand. Yes. He's going to meet men. Yes. Yep. Oh, it's cave time. No, that comes shortly. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So there is anyway, so he he shows up. Okay. So he shows up. And it's just him. And there's two reasons, at least two proposed reasons from what I could find of why Ahimelech comes out and he's like, oh, hey, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Hi. Um, one of is, this is David, who's killed thousands of people. Tens well, Saul killed man. thousands. He killed tens, tens of thousands. Of you get the Please <laughs> listen to the propaganda. Not- <laughs> <laughs> it's God's word. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so he's a a warrior machine, mm. um, and he's the one whom Saul has put in charge of the men of war, right? That that is in eighteen five. So he's killed countless men, all that kind of stuff, and here he is just approaching alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That alone is kind of horrifying. Mm-hmm. I'm actually not too sympathetic towards that one, but eh, fair enough. Yeah, that could be a reason. The other one is that Ahimelech kind of knows that there's tension mm-hmm. going on in, let's say, the royal court, right? He knows he's about to commit treason. Maybe. Okay. He might like he might know that, and he might just know that there's tension, and he doesn't know what's happening with that tension. He might know that basically Jonathan has forced his dad to openly acknowledge in front of the court mm-hmm. that, hey, the cat's out of the bag. David's going to try to take the kingdom from me and my children, and blah, 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 blah. And Jonathan's on David's side. And it's all like the sham is like the cat's mm-hmm. out of the bag. Ahimelech may know that. He may not, regardless. So 
if Ahimelech knows that David, if there's tension in the courtroom, David's on one side, Jonathan might be on that side too, and mm-hmm. Saul's over here, and da 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 da. Um, he may know that Saul's servant, uh, Doeg, m- is there and is witnessing to anything that happens. Yeah. Okay. That, that may be the other reason, is mm-hmm. he's like, oh, what is, there's tension, here comes the one side, and I know that I, there's a spy. Yeah. Yeah. And Doeg, the uh, chief herdsman, yeah. is, there's three kind of ways. So the title is chief of shepherds. Um, mm. But that can mean a mercenary. That can mean a runner, like a spy runner that tra- sends information back and forth to the king. Okay. And that can also mean um, like an administrative guy who could be a scribe. The the guy who is listed as writing down the Dead Sea Scrolls is listed as uh, chief of shepherds. I also okay. read it somewhere, although yeah. it's not, that is not the literal translation that they mm. made the argument how it's in reference to like kind of inner guard type stuff. Yeah. And that would make okay. sense. He's a mercenary. David hires mercenaries to be his mm-hmm. bodyguards and kind of his most his yeah. Mo- yeah. tightly knit men. So when they say shepherd of shepherds, I mean they're looking out for the shepherd being the king. People there's different there's okay. so many ways that's, to take that's that word. That's the idea though. Yeah. Okay. So that any one of those things kind of could be there. Either way, we do know he's a Moabite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's loyal to Saul. Because in most... He's an Edomite, isn't he? Edomite. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Moabites okay. come later in the story. Yeah. Okay. Because so most mercenaries to a king were often not the people from the kingdom that they ruled. Yeah. Because, yeah. Same with David's mighty men. Most of them yeah. are not yeah. Israeli. Well, isn't that how... There was a speculation of that when we went through Goliath's story, that he wasn't yeah. uh, a Philistine. Um, he yeah, was just living in Gath. That's going to come up. Okay, yeah. 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 Um, it's probably good to go over who Ahimelech is or was. Mm-hmm. Um, high priest, probably people make claims that he's uh, tied to Eli, and I think that that makes sense. You can draw some lines there. Mm. Um, but yeah, he'd be some sort of distant relative of Eli. Interesting. Um, not direct, obviously. Just because of Levitical heritage stuff? Mm-hmm. Is there... Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's the, the connection there. Yeah. Um, and Shiloh... Is Shiloh where Samuel starts off? Yeah. Shiloh is the place where Hannah and... E, and... Whatever his name is. Oh, I forget his name. No one remembers yeah, Samuel's dad. goes to... Um, and Eli's there, and then that's where... They're yes. at Shiloh. Okay, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Is that where yeah. the temple is said to be? Uh, Samuel runs his stuff. He's out of Ramah, which okay. is where his family was from. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another cool thing is... What was, what was next? There was... So yeah, the, the purity thing of the of eating of the bread of presence because mm. in Leviticus that bread, which was set on the table outside the most holy place is supposed to be re- replaced by. So there's 12 loaves of bread, one loaf of bread for each tribe of Israel. Mm-hmm. And that bread is supposed to be replaced every Sabbath. Um, and after that time period, the priest and his family are to eat it. And that's the most important meal of their 
duty that they get. Gotcha. Um, uh, and then after that, it's the meat from the sacrifices that they eat, um, that they get a portion of, uh, because they're not allowed to work the same way that everybody else is. So they get portions of sacrifices and stuff like that. Yep. Um, the, so they're supposed to eat that after the week, which means they're not getting it this time. Mm-hmm. And David's taking it. And because he's high priest, he's allowed to give it. He's not really though. And like, it makes a big deal out of it in the yeah. New Testament. Mm-hmm. Right. I read one commentator kind of go, ah, yeah, there were probably development of ideas on protecting the bread of the presence. Yeah. yeah. And that may have been not, it might be. So the practice itself may have been malleable at this time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's that, or if you go with the route that it was not malleable, this is an effect, this is an effect showing you how Eli and his family's corruption is still going on, but it worked to God's benefit. Mm. Yeah. But I don't get that. Yeah. Do you think there's like a subtext of this is meant to be for those who do God's work and now that's David? Or do you think it's not that deep? I mean, it it goes along with the idea of king priest, but that gets developed way later in the later prophets after the exile yeah. with Jeshua. I don't think so. At least not. I'm not super convinced of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just wondering if, if you thought it was, there was that much imagery going on there. Yeah. Um, the ephod that the sword's hidden behind. Mm-hmm. Is it special, Josh? So Is it the same ephod that's worn by a priest? <laughs> so it's... So fun fact. Um, the Ark of the Covenant's not in the, t- the tabernacle. They don't say it's in the tabernacle. No, because David brings it to the tabernacle later when he's king. Oh, yeah. It's still outside of that guy's farm after the battle when it gets brought back. You, th- you think it's still it's, outside? Well, that's, that's where David grabs it from. That's right? where David grabs yeah. it from. And he brings it to Jerusalem. Yeah. Hmm. And so it's possible that the ephod, the commentators in the historical work by uh, Walton Matthews and Chivalis say that the ephod is probably the most important uh, relic right now, like holy Mm. peace being the peace of the high priest. So it's probably on the stand in the room, not being used. And that's why the sword is there. And the reason the sword is there is for the same reason the Ark was in the temple of Dagon as a Mm. take as a, as a holy relic taken from a defeated champion. You know, because it's a demon sword. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, giant sword. Yeah, demon yeah. sword. I yeah. get it. Um, here's the thing. In Judges 8, 27, mm-hmm. and Gideon made an ephod and put it in his city of Ophrah, and all of Israel whored after it, because, and it became the snare to Gideon and to his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Other commentators, such as uh, Klein, this would be the word biblical commentator, would go the ephod behind which this be, the ephod behind which the sword was hidden was not a linen garment, but rather a divine image. And then he references that verse mm. in Judges, or perhaps an oracle-producing article um, mm. associated elsewhere with Ahijah and the brother uh, the brother of uh, Alimelech. Um, yeah, yeah. 
So he just traces that ephod directly from Jesus. It's just like, ah, idolatry. That's a hard sell for me. That's so cool. I'm putting that in whatever I read about idolatry. <laughs> <laughs> but but I don't, I'm not, because I already am kind of weirded out and I don't like the, I, I do mm. think that there's something going on with the, with the icon or the idols that Michael used to hide, to pretend as though David was in bed. Yeah. Um, we already know there's some unhealthy idolatry stuff going on in Israel at this time. Yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm more of the, like, and we'll disagree with this, but like, I'm more of the line that it's the actual ephod created for the high priest, but that it's because of its higher religious status now, because the Ark of the Covenant's mm-hmm. not there. And then having the sword behind it. Yeah, so you would keep the a holy relic and like some kind of um in in the same way with in the same Dagon. way you would like the Vatican or something. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is there a basement underneath the tabernacle? Yeah, that's where the ark is. Oh and the hot water sense. heater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But okay, so what's cool is David gets the sword now. Yes. It, it, he has he has the uh, demon sword. That's so cool. <laughs> yes, Goliath. Should I not call it that? Just because. No, well, now we need to explain what Nephilim are. <laughs> ah, they're demons. Anyways, let's keep going. <laughs> and Goliath is one of them because he's really tall and can hold nine hundred pounds of armor, and he's yeah. not blind. <laughs> Anyways, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. So David gets Goliath's sword. The person he defeated at the battle which made him greater than Saul. Yeah. Do you think that there's a problem with David lying here? Cuz he does lie. He lies, does he meet with some men and give them the food? That's not explained. <laughs> Cuz right. he's not arranged to meet anybody like he said and he's not sent on a mission like he said. You're right. Additionally, there might be if Ahimelech, also- if Ahimelech is worried about, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, Doeg. Mm-hmm. Then David telling him this story is kind of like that, like, hey, here's a plausible deniability story. Yeah. Right? And also, um, I think it's Klein, again, is the one who points out that it's like, um, why does Ahimelech tell David, there's like, oh yeah, the sword that you killed uh, Goliath in that valley, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you were awesome. Yeah, yeah it's here. Unless you, it, Ahimelech is kind of like, hey, uh, no, Noeg, don't like, da- don't underestimate David, because if Noeg's just there, and we know Noeg from next chapter, from which we're going to cover shortly, mm-hmm. is pretty good with the sword too, mm-hmm. um, and it might just be a, a kind of a hot, like a, a nod to to Noeg, and it's just like, yeah, hey. Don't mess around with David because, hey, remember, he killed Goliath and he just had a sling. Or, yes, or what it is is because they both know who Doeg is because David's got to know who Doeg is. Yeah. Right? It's that David is talking with Ahimelech in this, like, plausible deniability, but also this lie because then, like, he's like, oh, I was sent here by the king. Yeah. And like, <laughs> you know, and then, and then Ahimelech's like, uh, David's like, oh, I'm going to need some food for these other men. It's actually for my travel. Um, I'm going to, and then the Ahimelech's like, oh, do you need a, do you want the sword that you killed Goliath with? 
And he's like, because you don't have a weapon on you? Because you're going to be in well, danger? I mean, I mean, David was the one who was like, hey, do yes. you have a spear, a sword? Do you yes. have anything here? Yeah. <laughs> he does do that with the bread, too. It's just like, hey, do you have bread? Or anything, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems like he's gone to the nearest place where he can get stuff that he's going to need for a travel and defense. Mm-hmm. And Ahimelech is giving it to him, but in a way that appears... um plausible deniability and he's supporting david yeah or he's just worried because david's a scary guy that kills people yeah and he's just kind of innocently like arrogant not arrogantly what's it called ignorantly just oh yeah Mm -hmm. sure here you go which is also a reading (laughs) it is but i do like the like Oh, you mean the sword that you killed Goliath with in that valley that's sitting right behind the ephod wrapped in a cloth? You better not take it. <laughs> and, then, and then David's like, that's the one. That's yeah. the one. It kind of sounds like and video then, game instructions, like a little bit yeah. like a tutorial. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, this is the beginning of Legend of Zelda where it's like, don't mm-hmm. go out. It's dangerous don't, to go alone. Yeah, take this. Take this. And then he, the priest's like, there's nothing like it. And David's like, you're right. There's there- nothing like it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Next bit. A fun one. And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors and the gates and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen? <laughs> that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? <laughs> You know how I talked about Victor Yoon in the last episode? Yeah. Yeah, he did this. <laughs> he mentions it in his story. He goes like, I was on a mission from God and David did it, so I decided it was going to be insane. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's awesome. Did it work for him? It worked. Okay, because that's interesting. Because why did he, like, how did he behave insane? Oh, he just acted incoherent and, and mm. wouldn't tell correct stories and things like that. Okay. He's basically just, he was being inter- interrogated and tortured, so it's like, yeah. it wasn't hard to look insane. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. So, do you have something to say on this? Uh, <laughs> there's there's quite a bit to say. I think, I think there's so, a reason, I think there's a reason, there's a reasonable articulation for why David would go into the Philistines. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of fits in with... Why does he go there and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, no, turns out the people that I, you know, I had to kill a bunch of them. I only had to kill a hundred, but I killed 200 and then mutilated their corpses um, for, uh, you know, for a hand in marriage for Saul's daughter. Turns out they don't like me. Wow. (laughs) Um, So I think it's I think it's reasonable to articulate that David may have made a calculated risk. Mm-hmm. By going into Philistine territory, yeah, um, where Saul would be scared to follow him, yes, and then his calculated risk goes bad, mm-hmm. um, and it's just like, oh, but they found me, and so what is he going to do? He's going to pretend to be insane, yeah, which gets into something that you were talking about, how it's yeah. like, so, yeah, so David is going into Gath because 
one another cool interesting note is Gath is where Goliath is from, um, which is interesting. Uh, and then also uh, the the going of there, like you're saying to the Philistines, to the place where Saul's afraid, is also maybe if he works with them because he killed their champion and because he has been so effective against them and he's saying, hey, I'll ally with you against Saul, that's both a benefit to the Philistines and his way to become king. Mm. See, maybe. That competes yeah. with my articulation, mm-hmm. which is fine. Yeah. The other thing is the going insane, Joel, this is super cool, I found this out, is yep. the same word used here is in all the prophets later mm-hmm. on, is the same word used for when somebody is in the Holy Spirit. What I read is some times, some. not all. Yeah. Um, and For like ecstatic speech yes. stuff. And so the acting insane is interesting because the Philistines and a bunch of the other countries around that area, if somebody was acting crazy like they were the messenger of the gods, they weren't allowed to kill them. Mm. And so they wouldn't be allowed in like polite society. Yeah, you were ostracized, but you couldn't be you couldn't be killed, which mean which meant that's like David was trying to get in to the group, but he'll but he'll 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 be satisfied with just not being killed. Which meant that if Saul tried to go into the Philistine lands, the Philistines would not let Saul kill him because well, I, he's I a think, messenger of the, the gods. Yeah, but I also think that if yeah. Saul just came into Philistine lands, it would be open war anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But he would be with all the other men that are crazy. And that's why the Gath guys. <laughs> well, there's also like an under, there's off, also like an offhanded comment where he's just like, yeah. I already have enough crazy people in my city. What's wrong with you? Don't yeah. bring him in here. <laughs> Oh, Gath is so funny. So, hmm. so this is cool. We kind of mentioned this in the Goliath episode, but David is becoming Goliath. Yeah. He has his sword and he's an exile in Philistine lands, hmm. which is what Goliath was. That's what his name meant. Exile. Hmm. And yeah, he's mean, the one yeah. that Saul is afraid of. Mm-hmm. And fair. he is empowered, quote unquote, by a spirit. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, the insanity could just be, it's not Holy Spirit, but yeah, he's, well, Holy he's Spirit. faking it. He's faking it. He's faking it. Okay, acting yeah. like he is a prophet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's lied twice now for safety. Uh, um, he may be banging on the doors also or spitting on them either way. Oh, yeah. Also, question. Do you, when you picture David, do you picture him with a beard? Yeah. Really? Okay. I don't. Neither do I. Yeah. And yet the text here says that he just spit, Do you think that's because in the West we often think of Aragorn when we think of David? Doesn't Aragorn have a, like a bad beard, like a short beard? Does he? I think so. No, when he's when they're going to Mordor, he's... I don't know. I, uh, it's just Michelangelo's Does Anglo he? doesn't... Uh, Anglo. Um, David doesn't have a beard, and so... I don't know. Yeah, I've, just, I I've never pictured him with a beard. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Um... Something I, I found out about the, the Philistine king there. Yes. He said he might not be a Philistine king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I found something on that too. Say it. Yeah, he's probably just a Canaanite vassal or possibly a commander mm. over a region. Is um, it because of the Assyrian text? Uh, I, I don't know the exact reason for it. I just know okay. that there's like a, a subservience to him. Okay. That he's not kind of top dog. He's like, he could possibly be in a similar position to David. 
Yeah. Um, where he's also the king over those men, and he basically switches sides completely. Mm. Um, which is yeah, interesting. Well, there's a, there's another thing with with him using the term, um, calling David king of the land. Yeah. Um, there's several kind of notes uh, in conjunction with their popular, like the knowledge of the popular lyric of, you know, David's superiority in comparison to mm-hmm. Saul's. Mm-hmm. Um, they may be calling him king to indicate that even they have seen and observed his like political growth, right, against Saul, and like yeah. it's a projection thing. Or alternatively, and I I favor this one a little more. Uh, they could simply be calling him a chieftain slash like yeah leader, which is the same argument of what's his name, Akish, Akish, Akish. I can never pronounce it right. As him being a yeah. chief. Yeah. Or right. and still being king technically. But, so this might, but the author or editor may be drawing on that idea and then mm-hmm. blowing it to a larger proportion to prove the theological point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Being like the Jew, the, the the Jews see it, the the Hebrews see it, mm-hmm. and even the Philistines are seeing, mm-hmm. or at least expect David's kingship, and yet Saul's the one who's oh holding on. Oh, this is okay. Thought in real time. David's ark. Leaving the Philistine, leaving the land and coming back has has to be mimicking the Ark leaving and coming back. I don't know if it has to. Be. Oh, do you think it? Hold on. Does yeah. That, no. Does it also mimic um, the people of Abraham? They go into service into a foreign land. Yeah. So come back. So that goes into Peugeot's. Okay. Um, Jonathan Peugeot's. Jonathan Peugeot's idea of like going into exile and coming back with more. Yeah. Like mm. that's the purpose of exile or going into the wilderness is going out and coming back with more. Yeah. Um, but what I mean is like in Samuel, you have the, the, the people uh, reject the, the commands of the Lord to work with the ark properly. And so it leaves, defeats his enemies and comes back. And David is now going to... It doesn't leave. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, gets Hmm. taken. Um, And in this case, it's got driven out of the land. Okay, if it is an object purely in line with God's will, then does... Can it actively leave? Uh, Like, you know what I mean? In the same way that because of providence, all things that can occur can be said to be the active purposes of God. Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) <laughs> anyway, I just realized how deep that was, so I kind of took my foot out of it a little okay, bit. Okay, so yeah. the the other thing is uh, Akish. Yeah. There's no record of him in extra-biblical writing, mm-hmm. um, but there is a record in the Assyrian texts of their logs of a king of Ekron named Ekasu, son of okay. Pina. Same with Akish, king of Ekron, son of Pina. Um, and so it's possible that that's just a difference in like writing or or like an alternate spelling of his name or whatever. Um, but if he's in the records of the Assyrian lists of Kings that they own, that he might be a vassal of makes sense, makes sense. Same way that Manasseh is a Manasseh King of the Jews, Judea of Judah, um, is in the Assyrian text as a vassal for them. Later on, um, and so that goes to the point you're saying with the that he's a vassal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that would track. So, yeah. Next section. Yeah, there's some people that make the whole argument from Psalm 34 is a description of 
Is that the I lift my eyes up to the hills? No, that's the uh, taste and see the Lord is good. I will bless the Lord at all times. Uh, Klein makes a big deal out of it. That that's the eating of the bread? No, that that's the... He, he draws a uh, distinction of how he escaped. Read Psalm 34 for yourself if you really want come across that. You just don't buy it at all? I just don't buy it at all. I just (laughs) want to mention it because I saw it in several commentaries, and so if you really find that interesting, go read Psalm 34 and tell me what you think. Okay. Next. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them, and there were with him about 400 men. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and my mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. And he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Then the prophet of Gad said to David, Do not remain in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forests of Hareth. Yeah. Okay. So the cool thing I found about this is Moab is the historical uh, birthplace of Ruth, who's David's ancestor. Yep. And... There are two other recordings in ancient Near East texts where a ruler or a man on the run brings his family to the birthplace of his people to for safety. And so it's possible that David, the reason he goes to Moab is not just because of any guy, but it's because he's appealing to his ancestry um, heritage in Moab. I think it's more likely that he's betting on their equal distrust of Saul. I think that works. I think they, they work together because he flattens Moab when he, after he's in control. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which means that like the whole like blood ties thing doesn't really, yeah. in my opinion, unless he's, unless that's because he's called to by God. Okay. Like he destroys God's enemies yeah. because he's supposed yeah. to. Um, But that for right now, the same way that he's lying to get, food and weapons in the same way he's lying to. Do you think God's okay with him lying to do that? God is completely absent with talking about it. So that's, there's that. Okay. He doesn't say that he doesn't bless it and he doesn't point it out. Okay. Mm. Sorry. I just, I just really wanted to ask you. What do we think the prophet of Gad is doing hanging out? Is it, is it weird that he's in Moab, or is it just weird to me? Um, I think that that the way the one commentator put it was that that's 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 God pulling David back into the land. Yeah, that's he's saying like no, like like yeah, you need to flee from Saul, whatever, but like you need to you can't stay here. This mm-hmm. momentary. Go back. So is Gad? Gad is in Israel though. Yes. So he would have left Israel and then went into Moab. Moab and been. Man, I love prophets in the Old Testament. They're so like weird mystery men that walk yeah. around. It's so good. <laughs> it's everything that Joel wants to be. Honestly, yeah. I just can't yeah. find any robes for cheap enough. Do you think driving do you around think in Samuel Canada in a camper van <laughs> in a robe going around going? Do you think Samuel serve God? <laughs> you must return to your homeland. I get it. Yeah. Do you think Samuel and the prophet of Gad 
like hung out on Tuesdays or like get coffee every once in a while? Or do you think the prophet yeah. of Gad was in Samuel's prophet school in the in the trees? I mean, I would hope he's so. in the trees. Yeah, yeah. When the Saul's prophets there. are in the trees. To yeah, me, but- it's even weirder to think of the prophets not as like wizards wandering the wastelands, yeah. <laughs> but as as like modern day pastors. <laughs> Yeah. It's almost weirder. It's like your your small group connect leader is yeah. not really who I. Do you imagine think they meet be. between cities where no one sees them and have a lunch? I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if the I don't know if the connection between mo- like small group leaders and pastors is prophet. That'd be scribe. Oh yeah, probably. But I like he had mentioned. Do you think they yeah. went out for coffee? Oh, and I, that was like that's kind of funny yeah. to think of. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh hey, how's your uh, how's your district doing? <laughs> Well, I killed everybody, so... <laughs> I chopped this guy up into little bits. Yeah, well, I, I just... Tried to I, use just discernment. De- I just deposed our king. <laughs> I have the spiritual gift of discernment, so I cut him into pieces. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, you're talking verbally. No. No. Oh. <laughs> I yeah. didn't say verbally in the leadership email. <laughs> what was the last five minutes? That I was, know. I think that was I, rough. I blacked out. Anyways, what are you saying? Josh? Back to the text. Uh, the stronghold that it's mentioned is probably just his cave near Adullam before. <laughs> He's cave man. That's that's a that's a masculine thing to do. Walk into a cave and call it your stronghold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had one of those as a kid. Anyways, continue. So also another fun thing is so David's band of men, the one that all like gather around him. So like there's his family, but then there's all the other guys. These like discontents and stuff like that. Yeah. Are are probably like. They're they're foreign men, but they're also some of them are probably men from Israel that are fleeing from Saul for different reasons mm-hmm. as well. And the specific word for them are called Habiru, uh, which are mercenaries and men who saw an opportunity to overthrow overthrow Saul. I like I just like to think that David's older brother that mm-hmm. was talking down to him at the battle um, with Goliath is now just like, yeah, man, we're with you. <laughs> well, no, just imagine, like, he comes by, like, they all come to him to be saved and go to Moab, and he's walking around with Goliath's sword on his back. That's so cool. And he's, like, he's now this, like, warrior that has led Israel to countless victories. <laughs> and his brother was like, hey, why don't you get a real job? <laughs> Go back to the sheep. Go back to the sheep. Keep beating up bears. What is this? What is the word? What, what is wrong with you? <laughs> it's awesome. so good. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Hebrew you mentioned. So if we're yeah. going to tie it back into the the early cities, or actually it's not, it was the empires before Alexander I was listening to. Um, he makes a case for the Hebrew, as as mentioned there. Mm-hmm. He's also mentioned in a, in a stele about the uh, Hittite Empire. And that while they were, they had vassals um, that were around Israel, um, the smaller Canaanite towns would actually, in rebellion against the Hittite Empire, align with smaller shepherd communities, mm. possibly being assimilated into Israel at the time of the United Monarchy. Oh, so okay. these these people should could have already been rebelling against another empire before Israel was even founded as having a king. Yeah, which is very cool. So it could be that David joined the bandits in the foothills. Like these could have oh, already no, been that's, an existing. That's group. definitely it. Yeah. Like they, these guys are all. But they're attested yeah. to in exterior sources. Yes. Which is yes. very cool. Yeah. Okay. The next section. 
Now Saul heard that David was discovered and that the men who were with him, Saul was sitting at Gibeah under the tamarisk tree on the height with his spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing about him. And Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Hear now, people of Benjamin, will the son of Jesse give every one of your fields and vineyards? Will give every one of you fields and vineyards? Will he make you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? That all of you have conspired against me. No one discloses to me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. None of you is sorry for me or discloses to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as, as is this day, as at this day. Then answered Doeg the Edomite who stood with the servants of Saul. I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitab. And he inquired of the Lord for, for him and gave him provisions and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. So interesting. He's called a Philistine there, but whatever we know. Yeah. Nobody likes a tattletale. Um, at least okay. his name is symbolizing exile. Two points. Yes. Um, also, ESV says, what, is it, what does it say? A high place? Mm-hmm. Um, tree on the heights. Another translation is a high place. Yes, um, which I think is continuing on with the weird allusion to, yep, to uh, adultery stuff going on here. That's kind of weirdly in the sub in the background. At least that's my thought. Well, additionally, it's funny that he always has a spear with him. And additionally, so I guess three points. Um, it seems like ever since the tension broke out in the open court, mm-hmm. even his like advisors and whatnot are just not saying anything yeah and even saul just openly acknowledges like joel has mentioned that it's like first it's his first it's like michael that he that he's brought over david's brought over into his camp then it's jonathan and now to a certain degree it's even just the higher nobles it's the administration that he's brought over yeah and he's just like and saul's just he's surrounded by people that can't that won't really serve him because they're just like, eh. mm-hmm. yep david's but he can't kill them they're like the, the they're the, oh, the yeah. elite yeah. right um and so all of his you know um let's say the, the the court the nobles are just not saying any information so no egg breaks the ice no egg no egg sorry no it's okay um yeah so he tells him What's up? Because it seems like Doeg is his faithful, mm-hmm. like he's the he's the worm tongue to Saruman, <laughs> like the one guy that he has. Yeah. But also, so underneath the Tamarinsk tree is on the high place. Mm-hmm. Is high place doesn't always denote evil, like bad worship place. No, it doesn't because it just denotes place of worship. Doesn't just it? denotes place of worship. Okay. But when the temple gets formed and wherever the blah, blah, blah. If it's not the place God designated as a place to worship him, then it's, eh, it gets iffy. Um, specifically, if it's to another God, always bad. Um, so like, for example, Saul makes a sacrifice at a high place mm-hmm. at one point, specifically for God as called by God. Um, however, the Tamarisk tree is very rare in that area. And being on a high place, kings would often hold court underneath holy designated places and trees in the wilderness that are special were often those places. It just sounds more and more like, yeah, 
He's got the demon sword And then there's the ecstatic <laughs> speech Now we're gonna go have the high council Under the magic tree <laughs> Yeah And well no no uh, uh, ancient world Deborah does the same wild. thing She sits underneath a tree As the place where people come and Receive counsel from her And word from God mm-hmm. uh, Abraham every time he meets with God It's near the tree of Moray Or the tree of Meribah or and it's these specific tree places. Which is why idols are referred to as stumps, because they are yeah. bad places of worship. Exactly. Yes. Holy moly. So this joke from like second year in Bible college of a biblical theology of trees is might be more legit. Dude, it's heavily linked to idolatry. That's awesome. Well, and then you could even link it to atonement, as in like finally a tree is given the method to save humanity. The tree of life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the tree of life is Jesus. in a way the tree of death. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so cool. Yeah. Um, um and so, and I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. It's okay. So it's Saul is like he was near a tree in the same sense when he was counseling with his people while Jonathan went to go fight. Mm-hmm. And so you've got the same idea where you've got a high place that is probably religiously significant to the Benjaminites because he's near, he's in Benjamin at this and point. He addresses them, and he addresses them. So it's probably their like more holy place. That's significant to the those people. Mm-hmm. And he's holding counsel with their leaders at the holy place and saying, hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. And he's got his spear that he's waiting to use to kill David with. That he always has on him. Because <laughs> he's paranoid. Mm-hmm. Um, which is crazy. Has, he hasn't had it. What is he? 3-0 and o right now? <laughs> he's not very good or at three throwing and o, that one spear. 0 uh, for 3. <laughs> he's 0 for 3. And he's fighting a guy who's killed 10 times as many people as him. According to the lyric. According to the lyric. Yep. Okay. Next. (laughs) You guys ready? Yeah. (laughs) The priests aren't. Then the king sent to summon Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, and the priests who were at Nob, and all of them came to the king. And Saul said, Here now, son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. And Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and a sword that has inquired of God for him, and have inquired of God for him, so that he has risen against me to lie in wait as at this day? Then Ahimelech answered the king, And who among all your servants is so faithful as David? And who is the king's son-in-law and captain over your bodyguard and honored in your house? Is today the first day that I have inquired of God for him? No. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to have to all the house of my father. For your servant has known nothing of all of this, much or little. And the king said, you shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. And the king said to the guard who stood about him, turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David. And they knew that he fled and did not disclose it to me. But the servants of the king would not put out their hand to strike the priests of the Lord. Then the king said to Doeg, you turn and strike to the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned and struck down the priests, and he killed on that day 85 persons who wore the linen ephod. And Nob, the city of the priests, he put to the sword, both men and women, child and infant, ox and donkey, sheep he put to the sword. 
But one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David, oh, I'm reading past it. <laughs> okay, can I say something before we start? Absolutely. Saul finally killed a whole city. <laughs> yeah. He devoted it to destruction. He devoted it to destruction for his own glory and paranoia. The priests of God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, also, but- also note that, that uh, when David asks, hey, do you have a sword, a spear, anything? They're like, hey, we have this one sword. <laughs> they give it to him. <laughs> and an army comes. <laughs> and they're like, oh, Oh, we're going to kill everybody. We're going to yeah. kill women, children, sheep, everything. But that's the point. Have a sword or a spear. But that's my point is that Saul <laughs> oh, finally he's reached his something. lowest. No, he's not, reached his lowest. Not only that he's reached his lowest, this was the sort of thing he was supposed to do when he was obeying God. Sure. Like now in his disobedience, he's going fully through with things. Hmm. He could not commit to holiness, but he can commit to, to sin. To sin. The fact that he said the priests are against me and then killed them all. Not just the priests of the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Or actually, it was the hand of the priests. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also just the court is just like the the. No, of course no, not. Will not. And so he has to. So he's leaning on the enemies of Israel to do his bidding. Mm-hmm. Where like the Edomites, descendants of Esau. Yes, yeah. who later become the Edomians, which is uh, Herod's people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the hunting of the Anointed One, they kill a whole city. Hmm. Yeah. The so well, that seems pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, a paranoid king commanding the death of a city after Anointed One, a new king that's supposed to replace him. Yeah. And Obadiah doesn't have nice words for them after they. After, you know, yeah, Babylon but comes in and absolutely wrecks Doeg yeah. seems like, in a TV series, he seems like the parallel villain that is built up alongside the hero that you're going to see a fight later on. Mm. Like in this p- passage, like if you've read Dune, um, <laughs> Fade Rautha, the other character who's like raised as the, the other messiah figure as opposed to Paul. Atreides like they eventually have this like one-on-one fight um and they're like raised in parallel yeah they're presented in, in parallel yeah however I don't think that I think this is the last we hear of it I know isn't it <laughs> it just sounds like it's gonna be that <laughs> it's it, the idea is that he's brought up as a foil yeah like yeah in opposition yeah because yeah, okay. he's he's the, that'll be more understandable than dune reference the, no 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 you're right but but like David <laughs> was the uh chief of his bo- of Saul's bodyguard yeah and Doeg is the chief of his mercenaries. And so okay. he and he he devotes on command of Saul an entire city to destruction. Mm. Like David goes a and sanctuary does, city. A sanctuary city. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Which is the inverse of David going and destroying uh Philistines for on Saul's command. Right. And so like you're seeing this like parallel between them. And yeah. It's wild. So cool. Anyways, the last section. But one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. And David said to Abiathar, I knew on that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul. 
I have occasioned the death of all of the persons of your father's house. Stay with me. Do not be afraid. For he who seeks my life seeks your life. With me, you shall be in safekeeping. Rough. Yeah, David does nice stuff like this all the time. Where he's like, hey, come come hang it with me. That's also that's also a <laughs> parallel line. So there's two things that have happened here. I just know this is completely separate that are related to the Gospels. So David goes on a trip around Israel and people start accumulating around him the same way that when Jesus goes on his ministry, people start accumulating around him. And then when he's like, the guy's like, I'm afraid because people are hunting me, right? Uh, David says, do not be afraid, like Jesus says to people and angels. And he says, for he who seeks my life seeks your life, which is the same as Jesus saying to his disciples, you'll be hunted because I'm hunted. Mm. You'll be persecuted because I'm persecuted. Mm. And so yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a double parallel there between the people that follow David are being hunted like he's hunted the same way that followers of Jesus are persecuted the way he's persecuted. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can't deny the the messianic imagery of... of yeah, faith. no, but I've, I've just never seen like that mm. connection. And like I might have reading a gospel book, but that's very interesting. Yeah. And with the like the political motivation of like he's here to be the new king. He's up. Well, it also king. means that the the lineage of the high priest, the last at least of really relatively close cuz they would have other yeah cousins that can go up and and serve. Um but the closest connection to the high priest and kind of by default the next one is in David's entourage. Mm-hmm. So you have, like, so he's accumulated first the daughter of Saul, then his son, and his son gives him his, like, yeah. you know, all that, his royal cloak, all that kind of stuff. Then the court. Mm-hmm. During all that, he has the people, and now the priesthood. Yeah. yeah. And Saul is the reason that all of these people are going yeah. to David. Yeah, and Saul only has foreigners. Yep. To do his will. Yep. He's mm. like a paranoid dictator. Mm-hmm. He's surrounding himself with bad people and slowly isolating himself yeah. with a small crowd. Hmm. I just, I think the total, at this point in the, in the story of Saul's life, mm-hmm. we've seen the complete reversal yep. um, between Samuel's bestowing of power upon Saul um, when he's just looking for donkeys, yeah. right, to to now going and slaughtering um, men of God. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they were in weird idol situations, I don't think that has anything to do with this. In a in a sanctuary city. Mm-hmm. Um, devotes, it's crazy. Devotes a place of safety from accusation of crime done. When somebody runs to a sanctuary city, mm-hmm. as the law describes... Nobody coming to hunt that man can kill him. He has to be proven guilty. Yeah. But there was no court. There was no... Nothing. That and plausible deniability argument was never brought up. It was no. just that no, it doesn't matter. Kills everyone. Mm-hmm. And their animals. Is, and their... And the leadership, which is what he was supposed to do when God commanded him to do that to yeah. his enemies. But no, he won't do that he to his enemies. He is unsuccessful because... Yes. Bucko escapes. Yeah. He has a problem with finally killing the, the top dog. Yeah. 
What a guy. What a tragic character. Yeah, at this the point, well, he at this is point now, he's being an idiot, but yeah. Yeah, at this point he is now evil. Like and he's doing it for pathetic reasons, but he's it started off like it looked like it was going to be okay. It became tragic. And now it's what? he's developing into that villain. Yeah. Hmm. What do you think uh where do you think Samuel is in all this? Well, Samuel was in the woods prophesying with his group like two pages ago. So he's probably with, at his... Uh, he's just off in the woods doing prophet stuff. Well, he he probably isn't stuff. being like... Because we only have the Bible to go off of. He really acts when God tells him to go do something. Mm-hmm. And so he's probably just holding court, doing his job, teaching people how to prophesy. Like that whole prophecy school thing because mm. um, like if he knows what's going on you think he's just praying about it like just like, god what am i what am i supposed to do what do i do what yeah. do i do and god and is God's saying, just like you're fine just keep it's doing okay it. the prophet of gad's got this day yeah <laughs> he's in he's in his uh his diocese you're fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> unless the prophet of gad had an assignment from samuel but whatever. which could very yes. well be yeah. yeah but i do because at least in my mind samuel's probably losing his mind yeah oh well he's he wept because mm-hmm. of what Saul was becoming. And so at this point, he's just, what do I do, God? And there's just yeah, nothing as far as... Yeah. Well, it's, you don't really hear from him in this yeah. part of the story. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There's no message to go accuse or save or yep. anything. Yeah. And I think, I think here's one thing to say about the lying, right? Is... Um, this book is this passage. Now we're in the section we started with, uh, uh, Ruth, sorry, Hannah and her husband versus Eli. And then their kids versus each other, Samuel and Eli's sons. And then you had, uh, Samuel and Saul. And then we have Saul and David, mm-hmm. right? And we're going through that comparison. And I think what you're seeing here is now with the f- more fleshed out, like, development of that comparison of faithful and unfaithful is David is, as we're seeing sinning, like we're seeing him commit these sins, so to speak, the lying, the having a house deity thing, idol in his house, maybe, right? He, he lies a lot. It's very odd. Hmm. But what you're seeing is, is that David is constantly affirming the Lord, even though like, he's praying and returning to God. And that's the difference mm-hmm. is that both are going to be King. Both have been King. Both will have been King, but in David's sin, he returns to God. Right. And that's, that's the difference. Right. Right. Mm. And that because of that, he still has the Holy spirit, the, the prophets of the prophet of Gad, Samuel are still helping him right by God's appointment right is because he's getting help from God because of his and because he's that's what a good king does that even though you sin that's what a good man does even though you sin you return to God not beg for five more minutes like Saul does yeah but we'll we'll get to this later in yeah. in Samuel but there's still consequences for all of this. Absolutely. He's still a man of bloodshed and can't fully go into mm-hmm. what he is supposed to do to create a, 
a temple for the Lord. Like there are things that he can't complete in his in his life. Was that what he was supposed to do? Or is I don't that know what he, he was supposed to do. That's what he desired yeah. to Cause, do. Because God says, I have one after you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your son will build the temple. Yeah. 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 And and looking at it that way, Solomon and David just have such different kind of like character profiles. It's kind of hard to imagine them as father and son. Yeah. You know? It's, it's They're so, so disconnected. He's the... David is the like hardworking farmer. Mm. And his son is a... Went went to college to become a biologist. Yeah, yeah, did something in the humanities <laughs> for sure. Well, it's like because he had all the animals transported to him, so he could like study yeah. him, study them, like, uh, and for divination. Yes. Uh, well, he had some gorillas sent to him. What? Yeah, it mentions that he had gorillas sent to him from Africa because of the Queen of Sheba. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not in scripture, though, is it? Yeah. It says he had like of all the like the people sending him stuff, uh, he got gorillas and like various birds from various places. They probably died right away though, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Put them in some cages. Man, what a wild thing to see for the first time! Solomon had a gorilla. <laughs> Anyways, that's so cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Are we uh, are we close to wrapping it up, guys? Or anything else you guys wanted to add before we uh, put? A I'm lid excited on this for the next board? chapters. What's what's next week? Give us a give us a hint. Next chapter. Let me go to it. Done it. Done. Next on Samuel. 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 Um, <laughs> uh, next we have uh, David saves the city of Kyla, and David spares Saul's life. And then sadly, oh, yeah. the death of Samuel is coming up close. Yeah, but we knew he wasn't going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> On account of it being thousands of years ago. <laughs> 20. 20 years. At 29. Least. <laughs> it was more than 20 years ago. 2,900 years ago. 2,800 years ago. I mean. You only put that, David 900 years 900 BC. The kingdom of Israel falls in 740. And Saul is instated in 1100. Saul is stated in 1100. So, yeah, 1,000 years. Yeah, I, would, I usually yeah, put it 3, near 1,000, but I know that's a more conservative yeah. estimate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. The, the distance between David and Jesus is less than half of the time between us and Jesus. That's weird to think about, too. Israel is existed in half the time. Yeah. Sorry, like is half the time than between oh, us and yes. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Only and, a thousand years. Well, no, the said. distance between yeah. Abraham and Jesus is the same as between Jesus and us. Yes. Again, maybe. I don't know. Because if, if Moses is at 1500 and the yeah. 400 year thing is. It's legit. And it's the legit. earth is only 6,000 years old, right? No, 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 no. That's what this means. No, 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 no. I counted. Are you saying it's not? I used my They found a plaque in Lebanon. found plaque? They had dentists in Lebanon that says Abraham Isaac. That says 10,000 BC, so take that. No, there's a plaque that says Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were here. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. In Lebanon. And they got around. Yeah, north of Canaan. Yeah. Well, Joel? Yeah. What do we do? 
I don't know. Hang out. Um, we are on the internet. Secondratesaints.com. I was gonna I was gonna goof it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> we I feel like out. I haven't ruined this episode enough, so I've gotta do something. <laughs> um Hey, we're Joel. at secondratesaints.com. We have a chat feature there. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can use that. If you'd like to email us a longer form question, we've got secondratesaints at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow updates for what we're doing, um, Instagram and Twitter are probably the best ways to do that. Um, check out our blog post, book reviews, and other shenanigans all over at our website. Um, have a great week, and we'll you know continue our uh, march into... The, the United future. Kingdom. Uh, <laughs> March into the kingdom? That's awesome. March into the United Joel. Kingdom. Uh, Joel, what? you don't ruin episodes. You make episodes. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess. Anyways. All right. End it. Man, this went nowhere. <laughs> <laughs>